First You Think is a not-for-profit ministry of the First Unitarian Church of Des Moines. Support us at ucdsm.org today. From the preface of the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Atomic. Number one, an extremely small amount of a thing, the single incredible unit of a larger system. Number two, the source of immense energy or power. Habit. Oh, actually, they have it. Habit. Number one, a routine or practice performed regularly, an automatic response to a specific situation. The subtitle of the book is Tiny Changes remarkable results, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. Uh, You may think this sounds like a review of a self-help book rather than a sermon, or perhaps a sermon on self-help. Yes, in a way, particularly for those uh, those of you who may be visiting, it is. But for those of you who are regular or may become regular attendees and members of this congregation, it is a call to action. For anyone who may not know, this church is at a crossroads. We are working our way out of a pandemic. Our settled minister of nearly three years has departed, and we will be operating under the guidance of a transitional contract minister for the next year. In Friday's edition of the church's e-newsletter, Intercom Weekly, Reverend Victoria Safford tells us, my work this year is different to help you and your elected leaders prepare for your church's bright future, sometimes by telling the stories of your recent past, grieving losses, healing hurt, celebrating milestones and achievements, and also by dreaming together of what's possible and needed now as you move forward. Let me repeat that last phrase. By dreaming together of what's possible and needed now, as you move forward. Okay, silent poll. No need to out yourself here where you use, this isn't a confessional booth, but here's the question. How many of you are groaning at the idea of having to do more dreaming together of what's possible? Earlier this summer, Gene McCracken, who just raised his hands for those of you who aren't sitting behind him, Reminded those of us who belong to First Unitarian Church of Des Moines Facebook group that in 2018, the congregation participated in a comprehensive survey. Meg Notch, another longtime member, replied, over the years, I feel like I've been endlessly asked what I want from church, from programming, from staff, especially when Reverend Jen, she was an interim minister for us several years ago, was here. We had stakeholder meetings over and over. Are those notes from that time period? Are there notes from that time period? I remember pouring my heart and soul into those conversations. While I certainly appreciate and imagine that others can relate to Meg's sentiments, I believe that this point in time in our church life is quite different than it was four years ago. During a keynote presentation, during a meeting for my work organization, a futurist talked about this being a post-normal era. Well, I would argue that post-normal isn't a very apt descriptor for those who suffered from healthcare, racial, economic, and other disparities prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, 
I do agree that this is a new era, and that indicates that revisiting our congregational strategic planning documents, goals, and priorities is warranted. However, I do think that our shared values remain the same, and while the outcome of any dreaming together of what's possible and needed now may, in the end, produce a similar product to what we came up with in 2018, it's worth taking a look at what the Board of Trustees, President Reba Eagles, calls our future goals and specific priorities. In the July 8th board minutes, she describes how we will be examining who we are as a congregation and who have we been in our history and who we are now and who do we want to be together in the months and the years to come. But all of this planning, either from 2018 or in the upcoming church year, will be for not if we don't act to implement those goals and priorities. And this is where atomic habits come in. Author James Clear believes that the biggest barrier to positive change at any level, individual, team, I would call our congregation a team, society, is identity conflict. Good habits make rational sense, but if they conflict with your identity, you will fail to put them into action. So more simply put, if you engage in habits that don't support your goals, you are not going to meet your goals. Okay, UU silent confession, I mean, poll number two. How many of you do this? Engage in habits that don't support your goals, personal or otherwise. Clear states, if you are having trouble changing your habits, the problem isn't you. The problem is your system. Bad habits repeat themselves again and again, not because you don't want to change, but because you have the wrong systems for change. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Habits are like the atoms of our lives. Each one is a fundamental unit that contributes to your overall improvement. At first, these tiny routines seem insignificant, but soon they build on each other and fuel bigger wins that multiply to a degree that far outweighs the cost of their initial investment. They are both small and mighty. This is the meaning of the phrase atomic habits, a regular practice or routine that is not only small and easy to do, but also the source of incredible power, a component of the system of compound growth. So basically, in a team context, we can have all the congregational goals we want, but if we don't behave in ways that support those goals, then we won't achieve our goals to become the congregation that we want to be, or even that the congregation that we see ourselves as now. Clear suggests this process. Number one, decide the type of person you want to be, and then number two, Prove it to yourself with small wins. He goes on, work backwards from the results you want, to, you want to the type of person who would get those results. Ask yourself, who is the type of person that could lose 40 pounds? Who is the type of person who could learn a new language, et cetera, et cetera? And I think that this same process would serve us well as a congregation. First, we determine the type of congregation that we want to be 
And then we prove it to ourselves with small wins. We have some work to do over the next several months to check in with ourselves about the type of congregation that we want to be. But as I stated earlier, I think we can all take a pretty good guess at what that might look like. But if we don't prove it to ourselves with small wins, then all the strategic and goal, strategic planning and goal setting will go to waste. In the meantime, as we discern as a congregation what our church will look like in this new era, we can, as individuals, work to become the individual congregants that we want to be and therefore support the congregation that we want. So what type of congregant do I want to be? And then how do I prove that to myself with small wins? Here are a couple of examples of the type of congregant that I want to be. In fact, I'm going to name three tying in with what Eileen's uh, reading said. And I, want, I believe that these will support our group endeavors to be the type of congregation that we want to be. All right, thing or a a habit, number one, I am a well-informed and engaged member of this congregation. So actually, that's the type of individual I want to be. The atomic, ha the atomic habit that I can use to support that is read communications. That's easy. It's little. It's small. In the past, I've been a faithful reader of our weekly communications, or uh, the Intercom Weekly. It kept me up to date on what is going on with the church. I made a point to open up my email each Friday to read the communication missive. But somewhere along the way, I stopped. Probably around the same time, I kind of checked out on reading personal email in general. I tend to rely on Facebook, but Meta's algorithms aren't what they used to be. So I miss out on a lot, including church activities. I wouldn't have even made it to the potluck supper to meet Reverend Safford if I hadn't learned of it at a church event the evening before. As I was working on this sermon, I read some of the more recent minutes from the Board of Trustees meetings to get up to date. Fern Stewart, our board secretary, names the documents UUBOT. I read that as UBOT. UBOT meeting minutes. And adds a date, which, and that sort of cracks me up. I now think of the Board of Trustee Minutes as the UU Bot, as if the UU Bot is the title of a newsletter that focuses on church governance. Okay, UU Silent Confession number three. How many of you read the UU Bot on a regular basis? There's a few folks. Raise your hands, or if you don't, like I said, this isn't really a confession, but if it makes you feel better, go right ahead. And like I said, I did not until literally about two weeks ago. When hmm, Maybe it was more like last weekend when I was working on this sermon. <laughs> Additional nuggets. In reviewing the reports and analysis for the fiscal year and the following items were over the budgeted amount. Not surprisingly, technology due to the pandemic needs and pest control needs were over budget due to a beaver infestation. Okay, you use silent confession number four. This one is really more of a poll, so feel free to raise your hands. Who's surprised that we had a beaver infestation? Not a lot of people. Um, and I'm not terribly surprised due to the lovely grounds on which this church is located. But I have to admit, I never thought about how that might adversely and unexpectedly affect the church budget. Other nuggets. Pledge income at that point was slightly more than budgeted, as was total income. There were expenses that came under budget. Total compensation for all staff is well under 
but maybe that's because we haven't had a paid director of membership for several months. Base formation under 50% due to pandemic, most likely, Alice notes. The good news, the year-end finalization is looking good and we may be within or under budget for the fiscal year. But friends, please don't get complacent due to this report. This place isn't run for free. As the executive director of a statewide membership organization, I understand the concept of running a tight ship on a small budget. But a tight ship on a small budget very often translates into less than optimal member services. I wouldn't have known hardly any of that if I had not been reading those weekly communications and the UU bot. But this leads me to what kind of a member of First Unitarian do I want to be part two or identity two or thing two, depending on whose framework you're following. So identity two, I am a member of this congregation in good standing who supports the organization financially. Atomic number two to support this identity, making a financial contribution to this congregation within my, my financial needs on a, I mean, means, my means, on a regular basis. UU True Confession number five. There is no need to raise your hands on this. This one is simply for self-reflection. Do you have a financial pledge on record with the church for the 2022-2023 fiscal year? I cannot raise my hand. Even though I know that when congregants don't pledge, it is very hard to create a realistic church budget making it very difficult to plan for our future. It is clear that this church, when moved, can raise some serious money. We just finished up a capital campaign for our new kitchen in amazingly short order. I imagine that much of that was one-time gifts or at least one-time transactions. And those can be easier for somebody like me. I simply wrote a check and mailed it in the office. Yes, I still write checks. And yes, I still use the mail. I did that even before the congregational vote, which was probably a little foolhardy, but that's what I did. It turned out well. But for whatever reason, I am just not very good at making regular financial commitment to this or any church. I've always been that way. I hesitate to sign a pledge because I know my history of making good on pledges is poor, very poor. Because of this history, I don't want anyone to count on my pledge as they draft the budget. But intellectually, I know how much easier it would be for the congregation to create realistic plans if we had a better sense of what the church's income would be in the upcoming fiscal year. This is something that I'm going to have to contemplate for a bit longer. But James Clear points out that automating good habits can be particularly useful for behaviors that happen too infrequently to become habitual. Things you do monthly or yearly, like rebalancing your investment portfolio or giving your, paying your pledge to the church. They're never repeated frequently enough to become a habit. So they benefit in particular from technology, remembering to do it them for you. There is all sorts of technology that I could use to help me do this, but I am terribly old fashioned when it comes to money and technology. So I'm going to need to come up with a different way to automate my giving, but it's something that I have decided I'm going to do. Identity or thing number three. What kind of a member do I want to be? As in, I, um, in regards to coffee hour. 
I am the type of person who uses coffee hour as a way to connect with new people. You, you, true confession, self-reflection question number six. How likely are you to go up to someone you don't know during coffee hour and introduce yourself? I am horrible about this. And I'm not really an introvert. I am an introvert, but not in that way. So Shelly Kallenberg, who I see is in the audience, and just full disclosure, uh, Shelly Kallenberg and I have known each other since kindergarten. So if you see us catching up with each other during coffee hour instead of talking to new members, you know why. Uh, she and I discussed this dilemma just a few weeks ago. We both tend to, one, talk to the people we already know because we want to catch up, or two, conduct church business with those who are there so we can check off a few things from our to-do list. We don't always engage with new people in the way we know we should and the way we know we would want to be engaged. I find approaching new folks particularly daunting in the era of face masks. I can't read their faces, so I don't feel confident about whether or not they want to be approached. This is a particularly difficult as a Unitarian Universalist, I think. I don't want to come across too strong. Being a UU is different than being, for example, a Christian. I am not afraid for the souls of the folks who don't come back, but I do want our congregation to grow. My hunch is that there are plenty of folks out there like me, seeking a community of mostly like-minded folks with shared values, a safe place to learn, grow, debate, discuss. And chances are excellent that this describes new-to-me people at coffee hour. I need to develop a new atomic habit, one of getting out of my comfort zone and approaching new folks. It's easy enough right now, reintroducing oneself to people who I might have met two and a half years ago prior to the pandemic. And that doesn't seem like a terrible mistake to make. Actually, face masks are a good excuse. You can legitimately claim that you didn't recognize somebody. <laughs> and so I present to you Atomic habit number three for congregational life. I will greet at least one person who I don't know at coffee hour each Sunday. So atomic habits, they're small, they're tiny, they're easy. I'm happy to report that I am back in the habit of reading the weekly intercom, partially due to my work on this sermon, partially due to the interesting tidbits I gleaned while reading. James Clear would understand. He believes that a behavior must be rewarding in order for it to become a habit. I've taken to reading the UU bot. Learning about feral cat relocation and beaver investigations are clearly more rewarding to me than I ever would have predicted. <laughs> but more importantly, I have a better understanding of what is going on in our beloved community. For example, I learned of Reverend Sa Safford's paradigm for our upcoming year together by reading this Friday's edition of the Intercom Weekly. My best bet is that my new atomic habits of staying informed and engaged supporting our church financially and regularly, and warmly greeting new-to-me faces will very likely fit right in with any strategic plan, congregational goal, or priority that we might come up with over the next year. I can always tweak my personal congregational life habits to ensure that they help me help the congregation become the type of community that we want to be. Our opening hymn was very purposely chosen. It's partially a habit. I like that song, and I think every time I do the sermon that we sing that song. 
But you may have noted in verse four, the phrase, don't be afraid of some change. Don't be afraid of some change, my fellow congregants of First Unitarian Church of Des Moines. There is no doubt that we will go through some changes in the next 12 months. Perhaps the changes will be atomic, small habits, and simply help us to, to come closer to being the congregation that we already know we want to be. And we can do that by changing our habits and then come closer to achieving the goals we have set in the past. Or perhaps in this era, post-COVID and otherwise, we will determine that significant change is needed as we work to refine new goals and accomplish specific priorities and implement them with atomic habits. Just keep in mind that every action you take as a member of this community is a vote for the type of community you wish it to become. Thank you. Faith is a commitment to live as if certain things are true and thereby help to make them so. Faith is a commitment to live as if life is a wondrous mystery, as if life is good, as if life is divine, as if we are responsible for the well-being of those around us. That's Reverend Galen Gouinrich. And now we will sing our closing song. This is another habit of mine. Let it be a dance. Number 311. Number 311. In your gray hymnal, let it be a dance. Let it be a dance. 
I think I'm just remembering how difficult that song is because of all the little repeats and things that I have forgotten exactly what they mean since I haven't really played an instrument since high school. So, but thank you. It's a great song anyway. The first steps towards getting somewhere is to, to decide that you are not going to stay where you are. A little capitalism for you this morning from J.P. Morgan. <laughs> Another habit. Go in peace. Go making peace. Thank you.